Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here with Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, December 21st, 2023. Our dear friend and my dear friend and dear friend of the show, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, joins us now. Uh, Tony, hey, welcome back and thanks very much uh, Thank for you. your time. Good to be here. Uh, it, we, we have talked, of course, granularly, just examining very fine points <laughs> Uh, of what has been happening in Ukraine for much of the year and recently what has been happening in Israel and Gaza uh, for the past two and a half months. Uh, I want to talk sort of big picture about lessons learned, if any. I'm, I'm going to start with the premise, and I think you probably agree with me, and we both accepted a paycheck from the government at different points in our lives. The government doesn't learn any lessons. The government continues to do whatever it wants to do, whatever it thinks it can politically uh, get away with. We'll start with Ukraine. How bad a right. mistake was it for Joe Biden to say publicly a half dozen times, we are with Ukraine for as long as it takes to finance a war, to uh, undermine uh, a peace treaty, which would have saved a half a million lives? How catastrophic historically and domestically was that Biden decision, Tony? The Biden decision was an extension of the Obama color revolution, which really started in 2014. So I, I don't think Biden has the smarts or the instincts to actually do much on his own. I think he's a, as much as you can have a perfect empty vessel to fill uh, issues and um, political policies into Biden's that Biden is fundamentally I just I think he's evil I just I don't think there's any way of putting it he's he's just uh the perfect uh politician he, he does whatever he's told based on whatever he thinks is best for him at that moment and so the extension of the Biden uh, uh policies are simply a rehashing of the Obama policies it's so, a very uh, interesting, very interesting observation, and I, I don't want to get into psychoanalyzing him. Yeah, you know, we, uh, I know him. We we taught together on the faculty of uh, Delaware Law School. I was full time; he was adjunct. And in those yeah. days, he was a a JFK, uh, Scoop Jackson, pro life mass uh, yep. attending um, uh, Roman conservative Roman Catholic guy, which is what a lot of Democrats were. And now he flows with the wind. Now he's this hard left, empty uh, suit yes. that will do what the people around him tell him. And your argument is that it's a fascinating argument. Biden's failures are an extension 
of the vector that was set by Barack Obama in 2014 when he told Victoria Nuland, go ahead and overthrow the country, overthrow right. the government. So, and then the, the, to look at the roots of that, take a step back. It's like a, one of those dolls you have in, the, in Russia, you know, they, they, they stand Oh, I have one of those. And, and Putin's on the inside, right? You yeah, just, there you go. You just keep taking shells off and off, right? There's right. a metaphor for you, the judge. Yeah, so, so, so that's what I'm saying. So it's like, if you go past the Victor, Victoria Nuland thing, you have to go back to both parties, not just uh, Russia. I mean, not just uh, the Democrats, to the uh, this the basic agreement, the trilateral statement signed in nine in January ninety four, which in, uh, created the process of disarming Ukraine. That is, that the Ukrainians would give up their nukes, and the United States uh, and and British and everybody else would guarantee the interior the the integrity of the borders of Ukraine. So this is back to 94. And then what did what did the West do? <laughs> Immediately started violating it because one of the tenant agreements, one of the points of that agreement is that NATO would not move east. And it did almost instantaneously. So if you, you could if stop I, you, the NATO will not move east is famously either Jim Baker or George H.W. Bush himself. That's right. Mikhail Gorbachev. That's in right. return for which the Eastern European captive nations were freed and the and the Berlin Wall came down. And as soon as those two happened, NATO moves east. Yeah. So 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 this goes to so this is a fairly compact way. We could talk about this for a half an hour, but so this is a compact way of saying, yeah, Biden's policies are bad, but it's not his policies. He's simply the guy who's currently holding the bag. And if you trace back from 14 to, to 94, there was a series of things which really set up a, a, the situation where Putin was, I think, I'm going to say this and get in trouble. I think Putin was willing to deal with the West. I think that he had every interest in, uh, especially in the early 2000s, right after 9-11 attacks, I think there was a real potential for the U.S. and Russia to work together on a number of things. Remember, Judge, we went into Afghanistan using the old Russian uh, stands as bases. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, the Russians were very happy to allow us to use what essentially was their possessions to get into Afghanistan. And I'm not joking about that. I mean... Uh, well, you were there. I was there. Yeah, look, I remember flying into uh, to Uzbekistan and looking around it's like, Man, there's not much here, and it's like we're just there to to, to fuel the plane and keep going, and then to to, um, to um, Tajikistan, uh, it, you know, we we had a major uh, operation there at the time, and it was a great place. Tajikistan was an amazing place. I remember that place was like an R and R station for us. Well, let me bring you back to uh, yeah. this fascinating uh, history that you uh, have recounted for us. And quite frankly, I forgot that it began in 94, but the, but the, the touch points are 94, 04, and 14. Yeah. Uh, your, your argument is, and, and don't let me put words in your mouth, Biden is just a continuation uh, of this, a willing continuer of the uh, anti-Soviet, now anti-Russia uh, attitude in right. the you know, State Department, and because yes. he's no Donald Trump and he's no Bill Clinton, he's not a serious thinker. He would never go uh, against the grain or against history. No. Okay, I, I would argue that he's not capable, even if he had some inkling uh, uh, that that 
he was creating conditions of failure, I don't think he has the intelligence or wherewithal to stop it, especially at this point with his diminished faculties. Uh, so he is, again, you, you kind of create uh, in Joe Biden this ultimate vessel to fill, uh, to kind of go with the wind, and he has. And then he has no core values to actually measure his actions by. It's like, gee, does my actions, uh, you know, are they in tune and in line with what I believe personally? Because I don't think he believes anything personally. He doesn't care. He's a he's a, a kind of a narcissist. And so he's just out doing things. And yeah, the direction of things is not going to be changed by him <clears throat> because the people who basically control him are very happy with him not be not not wanting, not needing, not caring to change anything as, as things proceed for their okay. going, which they're going very badly. All right. So um, Matt Miller, I think we actually have the, uh, uh, the clip, Chris. It's number three. Basically says there's no magic pot of funding. I'll run the clip uh, in a minute. The Financial Times says don't believe it. They're going to confiscate uh, Russian assets private and Russian government assets in European and American banks and give that money to Ukraine. Listen to Miller uh, and then tell me where you th think Ukraine is going. Number three, Chris. I can only speak for the administration. I think, as you know, there are three branches uh, of government in uh, the United States. And for speaking on behalf of the executive branch, we absolutely stand with Ukraine. If the funding dries down, is the administration considering any, anything outside of the box? Uh, there is no magic pot of funding that we have available to draw on if Congress doesn't pass this bill. That's not how government funding works. Um, there is a, a um, uh, there are uh, funding streams that we can draw on. We have used those funding streams. We have uh, nearly exhausted them, and over the next f uh, f uh, few weeks, we'll fully exhaust them. And that's why we need Congress to act. Okay, so if Congress doesn't act, and we know they're home for Christmas, so nothing's yeah. happening before. I think it's January 5th, that Friday, or January 8th, the following uh, Monday. Um, what happens in in Ukraine? Let's say the Republicans simply don't act. Yeah. Uh, what is, does, does he take secret money from some crazy budget in the Department of Defense that none of us heard of and send a few billion over? Does Zelensky collapse? What do you think? As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Well, they already hit 800 million in the AUMF, Judge. So there's at least almost a billion there that they they threw in there and in, in new funding. That's new. That's not not existing. Okay, AUMF is authorization for use of military force. AU, yeah, right. The, the, the one they just signed. 
But when you put money in it, it's a slush fund for the president to spend yeah. however he wants on defense-related matters. Okay. And, but this is actually designated for Ukraine. It's like 800, if you look at the line items, there's 800 million in there. So they threw some in there anyway. I mean, this was a, a small bump in the Republican circles about about 10 days ago when this happened. Okay. It's like, yeah, the 800 million, nobody got upset about it. It's like, and that's 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 a travesty right there. Oh, yeah, 800 million, no big deal. Anyway. The uh, the issue of funding is the Pentagon and state lesser state State Department does not have the massive amounts of funds that DOD does. DOD has massive numbers. That's why they can never pass an audit. They have so much money. They are just uh, I, I I don't know how to describe it. They have so much money they can't even spend it. And what they do spend they spend badly and without accountability. And so right now I think the Pentagon uh, I just had a conversation with the former assistant secretary of defense in this two days ago and we talked about this the pentagon actually has the ability to kind of reallocate uh current year money and i think they're going to do a lot of reallocation to get get at least some keep something in there uh pat Ryder, general Ryder, said i think it was five days ago now time flies that they had something like four billion left uh is it two or four I, i can't remember exactly what but it was it was in the billions, low billions. All right, so and, either Matt Miller doesn't know what he's talking about because he's unaware of these uh, pots of cash or he's being misleading. But the bottom line is Joe Biden could send a few billion yeah. to uh, Zelensky to tide him over until the Congress does something absolutely. In, the, in the winter. This is crying wolf. There's there's no deficit of money. And mm. remember, Judge, the stuff that's showing up there now started six months ago. So what mm. they, they could say, if they were being honest, well, this is going to upset logistical support six months from now. That that was kind of, that's kind of like, yeah, I could almost buy that. But knowing how things actually work, probably not. It's not going to be a bump in the road. Things okay. would really start suffering eight months from now. That's when so, the, the, the problem would start. So. Here's a, a clip of uh, President Putin in one of his uh, year-end uh, commentaries. Uh, the essence of it is that he's willing to talk uh, with the U.S., but he doesn't see any reason to do so. I want you to listen to this, and then I'm going to ask you your opinion for the state of diplomatic relations at the present time between the United States and Russia. Chris, cut number one. Speaking of the United States, we're ready to talk to them, too. We believe that the United States is an important and necessary country for the world. However, their absolutely imperial policy is hurting themselves. It's not even hurting us, it's hurting them, first and foremost, because in the public eye, they have to act as an empire. And when they're trying to compromise on something, their voters see this as a failure. That's why the elites are forced to act in this way. As soon as something changes domestically, This would establish the fundamental conditions that would allow them to respect others, to respect other countries, to seek compromise rather than use the force and sanctions. Only then will we see the fundamental conditions to establish full-fledged relations with them. So far, we see none. Well, it sounds pretty rational to me, Tony. (laughs) Yeah, he does. And I, I, I wish, I would love to have a half an hour with you just to just to dissect that we don't have that kind of time unfortunately but he's both right and wrong he's right 
in that, yeah, the American public uh, acts and forces people to do things, but often that American public's misled. So the very history you and I are talking about, most people don't know about. Right. If, if Americans understood the fact that, hey, we aren't pure, we aren't, we, you know, there's that great meme around. It's like maybe we're not, we're the baddies here. We aren't the good guys here. We are not the good guys because we we have not. And I'm not saying the Russians are good guys either. Don't right, be saying, right, oh, right. Tony said they're the good guys. No. <laughs> I, I'm going to get in so I, much trouble I this love morning. You, so I love early. You, I love when you get like this, and so do the fans. Go ahead, be yourself. So I'm just saying, it's like neither nobody is pure here. But I'm saying that that Putin has a, a rational understanding of the grievances they hold and the american public doesn't understand why they're upset i think if the american public up understood why putin's upset it's like oh that makes sense because most americans understand fairness and if americans understood that we the united states through a series of democrat and republican-led administrations uh serially broke rules that we agreed to i think they'd say well why don't you go talk to the guy and figure something out right Right. I mean, that's the rational right. thing to do. Right. So well, that's what I think Putin's saying here. It's like, yeah, we're okay, ready to talk when they figure out what they're doing. Line, bottom line, do we not talk to the Russians? Does does Tony Blinken not have the ability or the authority or the intellect or the courage, whatever you want to call it, to pick up the phone and call uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov and say, mm, let's talk? Yeah, he doesn't. Um. I, I often make fun of, of of what I call Spanky Banana. You know, that's my nickname for uh, for oh. Lincoln because he's played guitar in college. You know, he was that was his band, Spanky Banana. So, no, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Don't no. don't take it too seriously. Anyway, <laughs> I thought we were breaking news here for a minute. Yeah, no, I I I just I I said it on the network too, and they get upset. That's okay. Anyway, so anyway, Lincoln should be playing guitar in a band somewhere because he doesn't have the rationality or fortitude necessary to do the right thing for the right reasons. He's not going to do this. What we're talking about, this is a Reagan move, Judge. You and I have uh, been friends, and I've been mentored by a lot of the Reagan guys. This is a Reagan move. Hey, we're going to start having to do things to make your life miserable, but we're ready to talk. Let's sit down and talk and try to figure out a rapprochement that will allow us both to figure out how to coexist. You know, they're a big power. Our right. policies, by the way, Judge, have turned the Russians from the Europeans as, as kind of a, a working relationship to the Chinese, who supposedly were upset with. So the Chinese are going to benefit from the ham-handed and completely insane policies of Joe Biden, as expressed by Tony Blinken. So it's kind of like, how do you not see that the guy that you should be talking to is talking to the, the Chinese and they're going to do a deal and they're going to leave the people you're supposed to be working with, the Europeans, out of the deal, and you're not going to win anything. It's it's not it's not wise. It's not yeah. – uh, Blinken apparently does not understand chess because what he's doing simply is going to result in them losing a number of very big pieces on the board. And I don't understand why people aren't yelling at him saying, you need to stop this. So, All right. Speaking of, Bl of Blinken, we will transition to uh, Israel and Hamas. Here is the Secretary of State in, in his uh, office or his outer office in the State Department uh, yesterday. Number eight, Chris. Israel has been very clear, uh, including as recently as today, uh, that it would welcome returning to uh, a pause in the further release of hostages 
the problem was and ha has been and remains Hamas. Uh, they reneged on commitments that they made during the first uh, pause for, for hostage releases. Um, and the question is whether they are in fact willing to resume this, uh, this effort. We believe that, as we said from the outset, Israel has not only a right but an obligation to defend itself and to try to make sure that October 7th never happens again. Any other country in the world faced with what Israel uh, suffered on October 7th would do the same thing. What is striking to me is that even as, again, we hear uh, many countries urging the end to uh, this conflict, which we would all like to see, I hear virtually no one saying, demanding of Hamas that it stop hiding behind civilians, that it lay down its arms, that it surrender. This is over tomorrow if Hamas does that. This would have been over a month ago, six weeks ago, if Hamas had done that. And how could it be, how can it be that there are no demands made of the aggressor and only demands made of the victim? All right, so there's another vote in the UN today on a, a ceasefire. I guess the United States yeah. will, will vote against it again. Right. So well, what 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 are your thought, what are your thoughts, big picture? I mean, can Hamas outlast Netanyahu? And it's not just Netanyahu, because if if and when or when he leaves office, the, the same mindset or a similar mindset will I think will likely uh replace him does is blinken the right person at this flashpoint tony so none of even though blinken here is fundamentally i think recognizing what some of us have been saying for a while hamas is not willing to negotiate in good faith the reason that the last ceasefire broke down is because there was a demand made and i think rightfully so that they remove they return all the women all the women hostages. Hamas said, oh, we're not going to do that. It's like, okay, fine, we're going to resume combat operations. They went right to it. it. I think there's a fear by Hamas of the bad press they're going to get about some of how these hostages were, were treated. I, I think there was horrific acts which Hamas could have stopped while they had these people in their care. And that's I think that's the reason this is not working. Regarding Blinken, though, and his comments, Blinken is a day late and a dollar short and yeah, this could have been said, should have been said weeks ago, instead of uh, basically trying to pretend that uh, everything is fine and it's all about the Israelis. The Israelis have made mistakes. Nobody's denying that. At the same time, as Blinken said, the Israelis have the right to defend themselves and make sure that 7 October doesn't happen again. Blinken's the wrong guy to be saying it. Blinken has no credibility with anybody at this point. Think about this, Judge. Since the beginning, since 7 October, they have sent uh, Biden, Austin, him, Jake Sullivan, and nobody listens to him. At this point, they are literally passengers in, in their own uh, clown car of freedom. Let I me mean, just interject here. They also sent a guy named Amos Hochstein, born in Israel, fought for the IDF, now a dual citizen, Israel, United States, senior member of the um, uh, State Department below the radar screen, chief negotiator over there for the United States. No matter who we send, they say, thank you, thank you. We're going to do what you want. Go back home. Once the plane is in air, they go back to what they were doing. Am I right? Yeah. 
I was on the, the air the other day with one of the IDF spokesmen, and they speak very, oh, we really appreciate the Biden support. But behind the scenes, they're like, yeah, these knuckleheads, get them out of here because they're not going to help. And they don't help because they, they, they can't judge the fundamental flaw in the Obama. I'm sorry, that's a flaw. That's, I shouldn't have said that. The fundamental flaw in the Biden administration and their philosophy is we don't want to lose. Because they don't want to lose, that means they don't want to actually take a side. And because they don't take a side, everybody hates them. Nobody listens to them. So they created their own condition of failure here. Nobody, you did, it didn't have to be like this. They could have either gone all in with uh, the, the Hamas folks saying we demand a ceasefire and, and then began working that. Or they could have gone in all the way with the Israelis and stopped the behind-the-scenes sandbag, behind sandbagging, but they didn't. So they do a little bit here, a little bit there. And, and, and it creates the condition of chaos we now see. Nobody's going to listen to them because they're not a good partner to anybody. Got it. Got it. Tony, I wish we had uh, more time, but it is marching on. It's uh, Christmas week. I, I can't thank you enough for the uh, pleasure and intellectual stimulation of our conversation. I feel funny saying this because we're personal friends. Well, no, but this, I, we, I don't. But we don't get to talk like this off air. You know, I mean, this is great. I think it's it's right. wonderful. And I appreciate the opportunity because I don't sure. again, judge like like we just talked about at the beginning. If the American people understood more about why things are the way they are, I think they would would probably demand different uh, actions of their politicians. I do. Yes. Yes, and they I would. Think, and yes, I think they... we are helping with that. So and God yeah, bless I you. And have Merry Christmas. And I always appreciate the opportunity. And uh, look, I'm Agreed. around next week. I'm not going anywhere. So, yeah. all right. I was just going to tell you, you know, we're we're we're, we're running some some of our, our best stuff and, and you're oh, in on okay. uh, Monday and Tuesday, but Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we'll be doing some segments. I hope you can join us. I'm around, I'm around to you and your family, Tony. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Judge. Great. great conversation. Great, great conversation. Coming up, another great conversation. One of the biggest brains that we are privileged to attempt to pick at nine o'clock this morning, Eastern, the great professor John Mearsheimer, Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.